How many know that that U-Haul that now we call the Chicago for Jesus truck got upgraded by the kingdom? That's what kingdom upgrade looks like. It takes an old dirty U-Haul and makes it a gospel truck that goes around the city and is a blessing to the people of God and a terror to the enemy. That's what God will do with your life. He'll take you from one of those old U-Hauls to a gospel truck in the name of Jesus. Bible says, make to your, yourselves friends of mammon. This is Luke chapter 16, verses 9 and onwards. And it says, make unto yourselves friends of the mammon of the unrighteous. Some people get so caught up with, you know, avoiding the love of money that they don't know how to make friends with money. You see, I can have girls that are friends, but I don't love them like I love my wife. Are you listening? You can have a friendship with money, but not a love affair with money. Can I hear an amen to to this. Paul said to Timothy, do not love money for it's the root to all kinds of evil. Those wanting to get rich have erred themselves and hurt themselves in many ways. We say amen to Paul, but we also go to Jesus that says, make yourself friends with the mammon of the unrighteous. You have to be able to have value in the world, even the way the unrighteous value. You have to have something that they can look up to so that it can get their attention. Can I hear an amen? It will get their attention when you're their boss. It will get their attention when they stop having all the people come to Facebook, but they start coming to God's book online. Amen. It will get their attention when your car dealership is now selling twice as much as theirs. Every place you look in the Bible, like with Joseph, You look there, Joseph began to cause trouble for the world because he had more than what they had. Now, that's a, that's a blessing that Joseph had. You may not be there. I get it. But how many know you need to have the heart of Joseph? The heart of Joseph. I want to be the most blessed on this job. But you're just a slave, Joseph. It doesn't matter. I want to be the most blessed person on Potiphar's company payroll. That's who I want to be. Well, what if they lie and cheat on you? It doesn't matter. I'm still going to be blessed. You have to place it in your heart today. I will make friends with the mammon of the unrighteous. That, when you fail, when mistakes happen in your life, you may be received into everlasting habitations. And what that means is throughout our ups and downs of life, you're still going to heaven, but money will help you through your temporary failures. How many know it's good to have money if you get sick? How many know it's good to have money if your water heater breaks? How many know whenever the failures of life come, it's good to have that money even though you're still going to heaven? Oh, come on. Somebody say amen. It's good to have what you need and then enough to meet the needs of others. Can I hear an amen? And that's what the Bible's teaching us. You see, the Bible says that the the world, they're better at what they do than what we do. Now, notice this right here. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust in much. And so that's why God was always known to be looking at offerings from the very beginning with Cain and Abel. Why did Cain want to kill Abel? What was it over? In offering. It was because his offering wasn't being accepted. See, God's always been watching offerings. You remember when Jesus was watching the offering there in the temple, and that woman came and gave the widow's mite as it was, and he said she gave more than everybody else. He's always been watching what we do with what we give. He looks at not only what's in your heart, but what's in your wallet. Amen. And the Bible says that when you're faithful with little, and I think even in the kingdom of God's sense, a billion dollars is little. A few billion is little. Because whenever you 
you're faithful with this financial blessing, these resources God has given you, he'll then give you much. In a kingdom where the streets are made out of what, gravel? No, where the streets are made out of gold. Why does he talk like that? He's not trying to bribe us. He's trying to teach us that everything in the kingdom is of wealth and it's of value. And if you want a place in that kingdom, show yourself worthy with the little so that you can be given much. You might say, Pastor, well, you're not a billionaire yet. You're not a millionaire yet. And I would say the key word is yet in Jesus' name. (laughs) The key word is yet. But even if I were to die without that, I've been faithful with every penny that's ever come to me in Jesus' name. And whenever I wasn't, I was quick to repent so that the Lord could see me faithful in the small so that I could be given the much. See, some of you want to be going to heaven a little bit quickly, a little bit more quickly than God wants you to get there. God wants you to stay on earth for a little bit and do some kingdom work. A lot of times people just talk about getting to heaven, get to heaven. Heaven wants to come to earth. Now that they're up there and they see it all and what God's capable of, I'm sure there's some that have pulled on the side of Jesus going, hey, can I go back now, now that I know what we got up here, now that I know the power that's up here, now that I know the resources up here, can I go back and do something? And he has to say, no, that was your time. That was your time. As D.L. Moody said, when I get to heaven, I don't want to see a storage facility with all the things God had for me to have on earth. And say, angel, what is that room? It looks like it's filled with a lot of things. Oh, yeah, that was what God wanted to give you while you were on earth, but you never asked for it. The Bible taught us in the book of James, you have not because you ask not. And I would add to that, it's because we believe not. Well, we don't believe it. We've seen other people, you know, uh, make air-conditioned, you know, pet uh, houses, dog houses, uh, you know, golden, uh, you know, showers and all that in the ministry. And we say, well, I don't want anything to do with that. Listen, just because there's a stupid rich person out there that's a religious hypocrite doesn't mean it has to spoil you being blessed and wealthy in this world. Oh, well, this person ruined it. Okay, well, then they'll be judged by God. But you be blessed in this world. The Bible says he'll give us wealth and add no sorrow to it. In the book of Deuteronomy, he said that he'll give us that wealth that we can establish his covenant. And here it says those who are faithful with little will be given much. And then now notice Jesus. Somebody say this is Jesus. Somebody say it's Jesus. It's not a faith preacher. It's not a televangelist. Somebody say it's Jesus. Look at what he says. If therefore you have not been faithful, Faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? See, Jesus said that. Jesus said, if you can't be trusted with your bank account, you can't be trusted on your job, you can't be trusted with the blessings and the things he wants to give you, then you're not worthy. You're not ready to be given the treasures of heaven. Everybody here, listen to me. Having small visions, small dreams, low ambition is not blessed by your God. Your God is an ambitious God. Somebody say, how ambitious? He made planets and stars he hasn't even used yet. Are you listening to me? He's got enough out there for round two whenever he's ready. Anybody ever watch Avatar? He might be ready for that coming up. He made so much. Somebody say, how much? He made so much. There's more than enough for everybody to have 20 billion stars our own. Some of them are made out of diamonds. Some of them are straight gold. Have you heard about these stars and these planets? That's what our God made. He has so much that I could have 20 billion stars to my name right now. You could have 20 billion stars to your name. There's no lack in his resources. If I'm going to be animated dust full of the life of God, I might as well dream big. 
And I'm going to encourage you today. Don't settle for anything less. Are you ready for the closing? Somebody say, I will be all that God said to be. Amen. Go with me to Luke chapter 14, verse 16. Would you come up here for me, Daryl? I want to encourage you today now by telling you what not to do because this is what some people have done in the past. I've been guilty of it at time, a time or two, and I've had to repent. And that is to take for granted what God has given you. Sometimes you and I don't understand we're talking to a king when we pray. You're talking to a king. Did you hear what I said? You're talking to a king. Sometimes you pray and you mumble. Sometimes you pray, you speak no word. Sometimes I've been there and I've had to repent. You pray and you have no vision. And yet the Bible says you're talking to a king. What would you do right now if it wouldn't come across as begging, but it would come across as a partnership? If you could talk right now to the president, what, what, what ideas would you bring before him? If you could talk right now to Bill Gates and bring some ideas, not as begging, but as a partnership, what would you mention to him? Put that back up, please, of the building. I hope some of you would mention this building. I hope some of you, if Bill Gates said, hey, come on over here. I just became a Christian, and I need to tithe and give offering. What do you think I should do, Andre? I hope the next thing out of Andre's mouth is an uh, 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 blah, blah, blah. I hope Andre says, oh, I'm glad. I've been praying, Bill Gates, that you would get saved. Hey, let's start right here with my church's vision. We got 50 churches to plant. And then he starts rattling off all the vision God gave him. He gets quiet when I talk like that. I was just in our leadership meeting, and I was asking some of our leaders, what is your vision? What is your vision? And they were just answering me, just love God, love people. Love God. No, tell, put some meat on the bones. Another person said, well, because I said, if you were sitting on a plane and somebody asked you what's your vision, what would you say? And then, then some people were like, well, who am I talking to, a believer or a non-believer? I said, it doesn't matter. Somebody asked you what your vision is. What do you say back? You better say back something that makes them take a deep breath and say, whoo, only God can do that. You better say something that makes them say, oh, I'll pray with you, because that's going to take a miracle. I was sitting next to a man on a plane coming back from New Orleans, and he said, what's your vision? Happened to me. In my briefcase, I used to carry a briefcase. One of those, you know, you kind of open them up. They got those two sides. They... I said, I'm glad that you asked. I pulled out a brochure. I pulled out a flippity doodad thing that I had that it would flip through pictures, and I put a brochure in his hand. That man ended up giving the ministry over $20,000 over the next couple of years. Why? Because he saw a young man in his 20s just get lost in the things of God for about 10 minutes and said, oh, are you bored yet? No, no, keep telling me, son. And I just kept going through it. We want to do this in the inner city. We want to do this with the people. We want to do this, this. I just started naming all the things we could do. The first moment when we started this church and I met an architect, he said he just graduated. I said, I need you to draw something for me. Draw me a campus that can hold 2,000 people. Show me what it would look like to have a community center, to have a free school, to have a Bible college. I've been sitting on this thing ever since the, 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 the man drew it for me. And every year I'm going to put it up there until we got the real architectural drawings of the facility we're going to build. Why can't it be this year, y'all? Why can't God do it this year? Why can't he? Didn't the Bible say old men would dream dreams? Can I dream with you for a little bit? 
Can I dream with somebody here today that still wants to see God move on this earth? We have to dream, brothers and sisters. If I don't ever see this, you know what I did, Adolfo? I handed down to my children a greater gift than even a brick building. I handed down to them a thing called faith. I handed down to them a thing called vision and hope. Even if I don't see it, they'll be able to say, Daddy believed it. How long did he believe it? He believed it for 50 years until he went to meet Jesus. So I don't lose either way. The Bible says those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. I will not be disappointed. I will love you just like I would love you in that spot. I'll love you here just like I would love you there. I love you if you got $2 in your pocket, just lint in your pocket, or if you're going to come testify that you finally made it to the million-dollar club. I'm going to love you just the same. But this is all that I want you to ask me, and this is all that I'm going to ask you. Are you dreaming? Are you believing? Are you speaking to mountains? Because it doesn't matter to me if you only got lint in your pocket. Do you got a mouth that can speak to a mountain today? It doesn't matter to me if you feel like everything's gone wrong, you've gone bankrupt, you've failed, you've lost everything. Can you dream and speak it out today? Speak the word. Speak the word. Get the scripture for them, please, Lauren. I believe, therefore I spoke. It's Paul somewhere. I believe, therefore I spoke. When we went to the to the Lollapalooza outreach and I saw flags waving over our city I got a taste of what a hundred thousand could look like and I don't care where I am in that hundred thousand but when we march can I be there come on somebody I don't care if they think Pastor Berto's the pastor. It doesn't matter to me who's in charge. The big tall guy with the suit who looks really smart and intelligent. Sure, that one's in charge. Go talk to him. But I want to be there when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I want to be part of that number. When the saints go marching in. I want to be part of that number, Jesus. When the saints go marching in. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. It doesn't matter what you see in front of you today, brother. I can't judge you by that because I wouldn't want you to judge me by it. Sometimes my friends, they mock me. Oh, how's that 50 coming along? How's your 100,000 coming along? Are you still in that storefront? They mock me. I'm telling you, I know what it feels like. I wouldn't do it to you. You can be honest with me. Oh, Pastor, this year was my hardest year. I got fired. I don't have a job. You can be honest with me. This is what I'm going to ask you, though. Are you still dreaming, though? Are you still believing? Are you still speaking the word over your situation? Because I believe God gets glory when we speak his word. I believe he points out to the angels, those on earth who are speaking his word. There's mega church pastors and mega messes, but I know God nudges his angels every now and then. And he says, angel, you want to see something that makes me happy? There's one of these storefront preachers believing me to do 100,000 in his city. Just watch how they confess this. Look at how they clap and shout as if it was already given to them. Angel, I know that they believe. Because they tell me what they believe. Don't tell God your problems. Speak his word back to him. 
Yeah, you can let them know every now and then, oh, you know, I have this issue, I have that issue, and that's okay. But speak the word in the midst of it. I may be, like, like Paul said, I may be hard-pressed, but I'm not crushed. I may be persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. Don't just tell God your problems without giving the word and the solution. Oh, God, I lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. But I know that you're my provider and that you will do it according to your riches in glory. He who became poor for us that we might become rich in him. Give me that out of 2 Corinthians as well. He became poor that we might become rich. I can't give up on a dream. I can't give up on what God called me to do. I saw the video of you getting delivered, brother. Those those are dreams come true. And when I heard you testifying today, I didn't know how to connect it, but I heard the testimony of a man set free, of a man that knew he needed Jesus, and I had to come up. What are we going to do with the Word of God in this generation? I want to carry it on my lips and in my heart. I want the world to know I believe. Somebody say, I believe. Come on, somebody say it again. I believe. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. I've had people try to convince me that's not material blessings. Well, then the scripture makes no sense. He was rich in happiness and became poor in happiness? No, that doesn't make any sense. He was always full of happiness, wasn't he? He was rich in character, and then he became poor in character. No, he always was rich in character. It can only mean what you would read it to mean. He was what? Rich. Define rich. He owns everything. Yet for our sake, he became poor, owned nothing, born in a manger. To show us that you can start from the bottom and come up here. Amen. To show us that when God is with you, nothing is impossible. Women came around him and gave him their wealth so much that Judas would steal it and nobody really noticed. They had wealth around them, and yet he didn't live like one of those who had wealth. He lived like he was just like everybody else. And that's why no matter how blessed you get this year, you don't let it change your character. Remember who you were before you had all of that in Jesus' name and still be with the poor, the lowly, and help them in Jesus' name. That's what our Jesus did. He had the wealth, but he still had no problem hanging out with the prostitutes. Yet for your sake, my sake, somebody say my sake, he was made poor. Why? So that through his poverty, we might become rich. I want more so I can give more. That's it. That's a simple prayer. I want to have more so I can give more. When God looks at you today, he sees the endless potential of the promises that he's made in that word. And he wants to see, will you pick it up and will you believe it? Brothers and sisters, I see Bible studies starting in here. I see churches starting in here. I see some of you loaning us your private jet so we can start 500 around the world in here. Come on, somebody. I see some of you today building things that we've never seen built before. I see marriages here being the talk of legends at 50th anniversaries. I see children here that are going to grow up and be mighty warriors and inventors and scholars and gentlemen and gentle ladies. I see world leaders and politicians and those who will bring justice to the land so that once again people can't wait for Congress to start because that's when they pray. Are you listening? 
I'm believing God for captains of the police department to the fire department and four-star generals to raise up in here and be all that God called them to be because God didn't become poor just so you could stay the same. The Son of God made himself poor that you might be poor no more and made rich in him and be blessed to be a blessing. Amen. In closing, I want you to look at that. That was just extra. How many ready for the closing now? Come on, go with me to Luke chapter 14, 16 and onward. Because now i got to tell you, don't be like this. Jesus told us this parable so that we wouldn't be like this. He said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. This is the kingdom of God. I'll give you the meaning of it right here. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to those that had been invited. Come, because everything is ready. Somebody say, it's ready. Jesus is telling us a story about the kingdom of God. And he says, it's like a man holding a banquet. And he gets everything ready. He takes his time. And he does it in excellence. How many ever been to a banquet before and it was done in excellence? We just had one for our staff and leaders. The leadership did so amazing when I went, went in, in there. It was so beautiful. It was done in excellence. It was prepared with attention to detail where you coming to the banquet felt the value that the owner placed on you by how they prepared the banquet for you. I could preach a whole nother sermon on that. You show people their value by how you serve them and prepare things for them. If you want to succeed in the service industry, in the buying and selling of the commerce of this world, place value on those customers. Place value upon your company so that when people get around you, they understand you appreciate them. Another sidebar. I was a new Bible college graduate, broke as a joke, but I love Jesus. And I was preaching, but I didn't have much money in my pocket. So the Lord said, I got to fix that. <laughs> I can't have my servant going around broke begging for bread because there's a word that says my people don't beg for bread. Can I hear an amen? But I'll tell you what, I was so broke that my, somebody say how broke? My family from Fort Wayne along with the friends would send me food packages. That's how broke I was. Send me food packages. Anybody ever been in those situations? Maybe in college, food packages. That used to be a thing, boys and girls. That was before you put money on cards and Venmo and all of that. I used to get boxes full of food. One of them was from sweet uh, uh, Northrop family. She would give me this food. She would send it to me, and I said, I can't wait till she comes. Uh, she sends that box again. But the Lord said, no, we're not going to leave you like that. So I'm out preaching. Somebody say, seek first the kingdom of God. Thank you. I'm preaching. And I'm talking to this one dude. And it's in the middle of the conversation, he says to me, he goes, man, you know what? You sound like my boss. And I go, your boss must be pretty awesome then. He said, yeah, man, my boss is a Christian, and he preaches to me all like this. I'm right there on Decatur Street in the French Quarter preaching to sinners, you know, half naked ladies, tattoos on faces. And this dude says, you remind me of my boss. He goes, man, I should give you his number. You guys should hang out. And I'm like, yeah, but you'll still go to hell. Even though I made a new friend, you'll still go to hell. He said, okay, I'll, I'll think about it. But he gave me his boss's number. I called up his boss. He answered the phone like this. Hello, this is George Bass from George Bass Clothing. He was from Mississippi. And I'm like, okay, George Bass, George Bass Clothing, how are you doing, sir? He's like, I'm doing good, brother. Would you like to come down here and have some lunch with me? My employee told me about you. And I said, sure. And he told me the address, and it was in the, one of the biggest buildings of New Orleans. I had no idea what I was getting into. 
I walked into George Bass. See if he still has his website up. George Bass Clothing, New Orleans. I saw $5,000 suits. Three, $400 ties. This man was owning some stuff. But he was godly. He gave me my first King James Bible, convinced me to be a King James only. I'm serious. I still got it. He was like, you need to read the King James, boy. No, I'm kidding. He didn't say it like that, but he, he said, you need to read the King James. Eventually, he said, you need a job. I said, oh, yeah, I need a job. I ended up working for George Bass Clothing. I remember customers would come in and they would ask me a question. Now, why is this one five, a pair of pants? Why is this one $500 and this one $1,000? Yeah, George Bass. Give it up for George Bass Clothing up in the house. Come on, somebody. Go back up there. Go back up there. That's, what I'm t- that's not him, but that's what I'm talking about. That's how he dressed the folk. Now show him right in there. Show him go down now. Show him what his, his boutique looked like for bankers and men. All men's boutique. Make uh, the Brooks brothers look like they selling to a McDonald's employees. Half kidding. And they would say, man, what's the difference? And I would say, I don't know, but I trust George Bass. And then George Bass would come out, straighten up his tie because he was having lunch. And he said, now, let me explain. Let me explain this to you. You feel this $500 one? Now feel this $1,000 one. You feel that? That's called cotton count or thread. I forget. You know what I'm saying? And he would explain it, and then he would hold it over his arms. He would drape it over himself, and he would say, you see the shine off the light. He was a man of excellence. You see, because God couldn't have me begging for bread. I worked for George Bass, a Christian businessman. Where's the next George Bass in this place? Who's going to start the shop today in downtown? There he is, man of God. Hallelujah. Lord bless him, his wife, and his children. And you know what? When I stopped working there, he still sowed thousands of dollars into our ministry. I remember sitting down with him once, and I said, Brother George, I don't have any money left. I didn't budget right. I was a young man learning how to budget, but I need some help. He said, how much? And he said, the check will be waiting for you. Come pick it up. See, God has to have people in place like that. When I say have to, that doesn't mean he couldn't do it another way. What I'm saying is this is the way he chose to do it. This is the way he chose to do it. Amen? It's not called Angel Gabriel's clothing. Angel Gabriel didn't write me a check that day. It was pressed together, running over, and men give unto my bosom. Are you listening? There was this banquet, and it was put together. Please go back there quickly. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. Make sure if you can, you listen to second service. My wife's going to help me tag team. Amen? If you think this is good preaching, wait till you hear the first lady. Hallelujah. (laughs) One of my favorite preachers in the house. Now I may know Lauren did amazing last week. Let's give it up for Lauren. We got some wonderful preachers in the house. You know, a lot of times people say they don't like women preachers. I'm like, have you listened to ours? Ours preach more than your men. (laughs) Your men come up and tell stories about puppy dogs and grandmas. Our women preach 20 verses, and it's still the introduction. I don't know what women preachers you've heard, but the ones I hear, I'll preach the men. Amen? He said, the banquet is ready. Go tell them. They all need to come. But look at here, verse 18. But they all like began to make what? They began to make what? Excuses. That's what I fear some of you are going to do right now. Well, 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 Pastor, you know, um, 
I've been really busy, so I don't know if I can do more in the church or give more. You know, you know I just got this job, and I don't really like it, but I need it. And, and, and you know, I, I can't dream really big right now. And, and I just went through a divorce and this situation. Oh, you don't understand. I'm dealing with anxiety and depression, you know. Friends, if the first response out of you to the invitation of God's banquet in the kingdom is an excuse, your heart's not right. God didn't say to you, you do it yourself. He didn't say you go make the banquet ready. He just wants you to come to the ready-made banquet. Are you listening? He didn't, say, he didn't tell you go bless yourself. He didn't tell you like they did in that yoga class to do the trick, uh, crooked chicken and become a vegan to get your karma right. He didn't tell you that. He didn't tell you to pray towards a rock in Mecca and an asteroid over there. He didn't tell you that. This is all that he told you. Come on. Dinner's ready, boys. Come on, ma'am. Come on, sister. Dinner's ready. Banquet is ready. I put in the word. Well, where's the fat and calf coming from? Don't you worry. It's already there. Do I need to bring the chips or the dip? No, it's already there. What about some pop? I know you need pop or ice. No, no, it's already there. Do you understand the illustration here? God puts together the banquet. God prepares the banquet. David said it like this, in the, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Listen to me, young people. You could be showing up today to a teacher that once was Bob that you now have to call Barbara in a class where everybody makes fun of you and God says, get ready for blessings. Bon appetit. Because I'm going to anoint you right in that school. I'm going to put the power of the Holy Spirit right on you. Some of you, like I said, may be working a job that nobody cares about. But God says, right in the presence of your CEO, right in the, ma the presence of your manager, I'm going to set a table before you. You don't have to worry about where the Adachetta comes from. And, and don't worry, it's already got the, 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 the Goya on it. It's already ready. Are you listening? But you just come sit at this table. But they're all going to look at me funny because I'm blessed and I'm eating in front of them and they're all on anxiety medication and then they're going to look at me crazy because they are already got STDs. No, no, you're going to sit right in front of them and you're going to eat and be blessed by virginity and wholeness and a sound mind. Come on, young people. He'll put you right into your school and he'll bless you. And listen to me, adults, he'll do it in front of your, your boss, in front of your CEO. But they began to make excuses. I just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. I got five oxen, and I got to go try them out. Excuse me. I got a new car. I got a new job. I got into a new relationship. I just started school. I got finals. All those excuses. Another said, I just got married. I can't come. Verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Please help the preacher preach. Thank you. Then the owner of the house became happy. No, the owner of the house became what? Failed ambition in your life makes God angry. I want to say it again because some of you didn't grow up with a father that told you that. Some of you just grew up with a father and just said, well, just do whatever you want as long as it makes you happy. No, we don't want that. Because what might make you happy is running half naked around the, the room, okay? How many know children can find a bunch of things that makes them happy? That's not right. <laughs> Come on, can I hear an amen for some parents? 
whatever makes you happy. Well, I want to put in body modifications and be a snake. No, 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 no. So you, you need help then. That should not make you happy. No, you see, some of you, and I mean this with all godliness and all humility, some of you did not grow, grow up with a good father, not an abusive father, but I'm saying a good father that could look you in the eyes and say, I'm disappointed. Not because you're not worthy of his love or admiration, but a father who can look at you and mean it and say, I'm disappointed because you're wasting your potential. It's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't care about you. It's not that I don't want you to succeed. And it may even look different than what I saw. But I'm disappointed because it's not your potential. Brothers and sisters, I mean this in the most holiest way. God is angry with some of you here because you're not living up to your potential. But I thought it was all grace. Yes, and put it up there for me, please. By grace, Paul said, I worked harder than them all. By grace, you give it your all. It's not grace to be lazy. It's grace to work harder than them all because you're not doing it on the rat, uh, on the rat race or on the gerbil wheel to try to make your God happy. You're doing it because you know he blessed you and you want him to be blessed. You want to bless your family. How many of you want to bless your family? How many, how many want to make your parents proud? I'm not talking about hard-to-please parents that are never happy and are always disappointed in you. I'm talking about parents that you really love, but you want to honor them. You want to be blessed for them. Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than them all. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. How many got the grace of God with you today? Going back to that sermon message, uh, I mean that passage, that uh, parable Jesus has given us. He became angry. And then what did he say? Go out quickly into the streets and alleys and the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, we've done what you ordered, but there's still room. Then the master said, go to Northrop High School. <laughs> there's a young teenager on drugs over there. Go get him. Go over there to Wicker Park and go get Juan from the homosexual lifestyle. And then go get Jerry from being a bartender. Go get him. Go get Jade. He literally said, now go to the highways, the byways, the roads, the country lanes, and compel them in that my house may be full. Do you know that the same blessing that brought us here can also have us be left here and no longer walk in the blessing. In other words, it's because the Jews did not appreciate what they had that the Gentiles came in. But if Gentiles like us don't appreciate it, God will go to the next one. Because I can guarantee it at some point there will be a church of 100,000 in Chicago. And, and, it, and it may come through the person that we least expect. But God says, because y'all didn't want it, Metro didn't want it, I'm going to go give it to this one over here. But you know what my prayer is? It's like the prayer of the old timers. Lord, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by, Jesus. Don't pass me by, Jesus. I have to touch you. I have to reach out and receive my blessing, oh Lord, even if nobody else does, God. Even if there's all these people around you. Lord, I have to touch you. Lord, don't just pass me by. Today, God is looking for a people.
that will be kingdom seekers. And we'll see amazing things upon this earth. Are you ready to do that? Would you stand up to your feet? Give it up for Jesus today. Amen. Come on, band and altar workers, would you come, please? We're going to close out today with prayer and confessions of faith. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, just pray a simple prayer with me. And just say, Father, I ask Jesus to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. If you're already a Christian, would you pray right now that the Holy Spirit would fill you? And if you've already been filled with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, begin to pray in other tongues. But if you have not yet, ask the Lord to fill you right now with the evidence of speaking in other tongues so the Holy Spirit can pray through you today. We pray in the language of the Spirit because we don't always know how to pray. So right now, if you don't know Jesus in an attitude of prayer, ask Him to forgive you of your sins and come into your life. Make this your new year right now with a new life.